Welcome to Our Friend from Israel, a podcast brought to you by FromTheGrapevine.com. I'm your host, Benjamin Cohen, and each month we'll have a conversation with an intriguing Israeli. They'll come from all walks of life, actors, artists, athletes, academics, archaeologists, and other newsmakers. On today's show, the bass player for the band on The Late Late Show with James Corden, Hagar Ben-Ari. Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. We're back from our extended hiatus with a whole new batch of episodes. We're kicking things off this month with our chat with Hagar Ben-Ari, an Israeli bass player who stumbled into one of the most sought-after gigs in television. Not to mention, she's opened for Prince and the Rolling Stones. So how did a little girl who grew up in a small town in Israel end up rubbing shoulders with celebrities like Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks on a nightly basis? You're about to find out. Just a quick note, we recorded this interview shortly before the corona outbreak, when Hagar was still going into the studio to tape the late night show. Earlier this spring, James Corden and the band started working remotely from home, with Hagar and her bandmates video conferencing in to play music each night. We had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. You have no idea the amount of... uh, uh tweets I get every show after every show going, yeah, can you introduce me to the bass player? So, so ladies and gentlemen, we say Hagar is our bass player and we're so lucky to have her. Okay, cool. So, um, I want to make sure I pronounce your name. It's Hagar Ben-Ari. Perfect. Ha'aba shali gar be'et shemesh. So, ani mevin ivrit katsat. Oh, nice. Were you born... In Israel, or no, no, no. He he just moved there. He he retired to oh, Israel, okay. but I'm, I'm from uh, America. I'm actually from Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, nice. And uh, but now I live in West Virginia, so I'm on the East Coast. Oh, nice. And, uh, you're on, you're in LA right now, yeah. I am, yeah. But I was living in New York for a long time. Good. Thank you so much for uh, for being with us. We're recording. I think it's morning where you are, and I know morning is not always the best time to talk to musicians. Is that true? <laughs> they normally they stay up late at night. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not too bad. It's eleven a.m. here, so I shouldn't. It shouldn't be too early. It is for me though. <laughs> <laughs> and you had some coffee, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Before coffee, I wouldn't make any sense. I would just be mumbling. So, and uh, but you're you're on the late late show with James Corden, which is on after midnight. But you you don't record it that late at night. You record it earlier in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we recorded at five. So oh, okay. Yeah. So you're home for dinner, and you could go to bed early if you wanted. Good. I honestly, I wish I I, I I wish I fell asleep early, but it's like I don't get to all the interesting stuff I do till nighttime, like writing music and I don't know. It's just like a slow progressing thing or getting up in the morning is uh, traumatic every day. It's just brutal and I feel no hope for anything. I don't know why I'm not a morning person. I wish I was. And and it just just gradually uh, the day kind of gets better. and, And yeah, and then I work at night. So I want to talk about you working for the Late Late Show and all the fun stuff you're doing now. But before we get into that, I want to learn more about you and and how you ended up where you are. So sure. if you could tell me a little bit about so where did you where did you grow up in Israel? I grew up in Givatayim, which is uh, just outside Tel Aviv. Yeah. yeah. 
Everybody I talk to, they're always like, eh, everything is right outside of Tel Aviv. Yeah, but it is literally like I could walk to Tel Aviv. So it was uh-huh. it, almost like living in the city. And was music a big part of uh, growing up? Were you always interested in music? I, I've been interested in music since I remember myself. It, it, like, uh-huh. it's something that I was kind of born with. I was looking for it. I remember use, I used to, <laughs> I used to hold the phone to my ear, like uh, the landline. Uh-huh. And you know how there's like a dialing tone? Yeah. I would harmonize it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which sounds so weird saying it out loud but i remember my dad once tried to make a call and he just heard this weird sound <laughs> and he tried to figure out what is that but he he was really happy because he's actually a musician too and an amazing guitar teacher and he figured oh we should like you know i should go and get some music lessons because i clearly am drawn to it once i um switched to the guitar um, I played a little bit of guitar, like classical guitar. I was very drawn to blues, which is and jazz, which is what we used to listen to uh, growing up at home. And there was this—I um, don't know if you heard of this high school in Tel Aviv, uh, Talma Elin. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this high school of the arts. It's similar to Laguardia in New York, like Fame. You know the the, the show. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing institute. Basically, you audition and it's maybe it's hard to even get in. And people come from all over Israel. But once you you, you get in, so you get to spend half of the time doing whatever you know art you you're studying. So three days a week, I would just study music. So you you grew up in Israel, and then you said around two thousand three, you moved to the U.S. Is that right? Yeah, after uh, I spent a bunch of time in Europe uh, f- the, the, for like three years because I, I was working with Noah, Achinoam Nini. Uh-huh. Started working with her. I was like 19 years old, I think. And we toured Europe a lot. I think that was something that made, made it very clear that I wanted to move somewhere and experience the world and, and play music outside Israel as well and experience different uh, kinds of um, at different different places. Uh-huh. So you you toured with her, and then ha- how did you end up? What what happened next? Uh, I just basically I just moved to New York uh, with no plan. <laughs> I just I saved a little <laughs> money. <laughs> I saved a little money touring with Noah, and I got to New York. I didn't really know people, so I I had a few people that I knew. I so I had a place for three weeks, which was the little window of time to find a place to live but no cell phone like no um it's a different it was a different era as as weird as that sound like 2003 i had to go to internet cafes to get on craigslist which is this website people were saying that's where you find apartments maybe today i wouldn't go there but (laughs) And, and then use like pay phones to to call people and, and, and take the subway and make all these mistakes, going to the wrong direction, all this stupid, like just really get to know New York as I'm looking for a place to live. And it, it was interesting to sort of start f- sort of from nothing, you know, and, and kind of figure out the place. And yeah, it sounds like a, a fish out of water story, you know, yeah. When, yeah. when somebody from another country comes and they, they don't know <laughs> what's going on. 
Yeah, it's it's like uh, I don't know if that's different now, but when I moved, you couldn't just open a bank account. You couldn't just get a cell phone. Like if you don't have a social security number or right. uh, yeah, or like credit history, like you, all these things you need. And then the, the thing that was incredible was just. Um, I found out it, there was just like this network of Israelis, other Israelis that moved just like me, you know, and, and started a new life in New York. And they would really help me out. Like a friend of mine, like he got a, a second cell phone on his name just for me and I would pay the bill. And then uh, another friend opened a bank account, like all these things just to get started. And right. So you were able to get on your feet. Yeah, exactly. When we return, Hagar tells the story of how she got a job working with James Corden. So he flew me over to play with the band on a Thursday, uh, just before the first rehearsal to the show was Monday. <laughs> so I technically got the gig two days before the show started. All that and much more after a quick break. Now that our friend from Israel is back from hiatus, we're excited to share a whole new batch of episodes with you. In the months ahead, we'll be having conversations with tech gurus, actors, and even a clown who works at a hospital. For example, if I see a kid in the bed, that the doctor comes to the room and needs to examine and to ask him questions, or the nurse come and give him some uh, medicine that he needs to take, so as a clown, the first thing that I want is to take these kids out of the bed, to bring him childhood back, to give him the opportunity to choose to do what he wants. Those interviews and many more will be coming soon in your podcast feed. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Our Friend from Israel on your podcast app to ensure that you're alerted right when new episodes are released. And now, back to our conversation with Hagar Ben-Ari. Yeah. So did you start looking for like music work when you first arrived, like, like uh, session work or jamming with bands? How, what happened then? So yeah, I started going to jam sessions. And um, yeah, I, find, I found New York to be a place that really embraces you if you come kind of ready to... You, for adventure, you know, just ready to play music with anyone till you. So, so that's 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 what it was like. I just kind of played with whoever wanted to play music with me, and and started doing small shows, picked up a tour here and there, and and yeah, it sort of very slowly grew up. Uh, it grew. It was hard, you know, but it was also a beautiful experience. Like you kind of throw yourself out of your comfort zone, and you meet new people and, and it's it's like you make friendships that are very special because like it's people that experience you as you're just very vulnerable and trying to figure out a new place and so what was your first like when did you make it in new york what were you for some of your first big you know uh gigs in new york i don't know like if that's big i did a tour with the boys choir of harlem like a christmas tour early on and it was a, such a <laughs> fun experience i did uh i was in a band i was in a funk band called the pimps of joy time 
and I was <laughs> okay. I was touring with them for a while. I was doing a bunch of little things, some TV shows with Gloria Estefan, which was exciting, and and then I started I toured with Moby. I think that was a that was a moment where it felt like that's a bigger tour, and I I saw myself wanting to do more of that rather than those like van tours. Touring is hard, you know. It's after after a few years, I was ready for a nicer tours, so I don't, you know, sit in a van or sleep in some yeah. cheap motel. My my father was a um, a drummer in a band. And he always told me that uh, the worst part was just, you know, schlepping the instruments in the uh, yeah. in, in the elevator, you know, at these random hotels or wherever he was performing. <laughs> drummers and bass players, our gear is really heavy, you know. The bass amps, drummers. I mean, wow, yeah, it's it's it's. Um... In the freight elevators, he said he was always in the yeah. freight elevator. Right. <laughs> It's hard work. Uh, the shows are amazing, and you get to travel and meet people. But then the yeah, the schlepping is is tough. <laughs> so did did I read you were you opened at was it at this point in your career that you opened uh, with for the Rolling Stones? So that was a little later. I after Moby, I also worked with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Mm -hmm. uh, which if you don't know them a really amazing band and we opened for Prince uh, oh, wow. a few times yeah um, the Rolling Stones week was with Grace Potter if you know her uh, that was 2015 so it was just uh, right after I started doing the James Corden the Late Late Show so, so you're living in New York and you're doing all these different you're making a, a, a career doing all sorts of different uh, gigs, and then how did the uh, how did the Late Late Show with James Corden uh, show? Uh, how did that job come about? I first heard about that uh, that gig from a friend of mine who, I guess, I heard about it from different a few different people. Did Did you know James? I mean, did you know about James Corden before this? I heard you? about. So I heard that James is going to take over the Late Late Show. And uh -huh. then I checked out who he was, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I I knew about Reggie Watts, the band leader. Yeah. Uh, so I heard that he's he was going to be the band leader, and I remember thinking, I'm going to watch that show because James is so talented, and 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 Reggie as a band leader seemed just surreal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did you have any desire at that point to to move across the country to the West Coast? Um. <clears throat> The move definitely came as a surprise. It wasn't like I just started doing a Kinky Boots on Broadway, the the musical, mm -hmm. and I had an amazing time. It was my first experience really doing a Broadway show, and I had an amazing time doing it. Uh, I think it was a month before I actually heard from Reggie. I uh, got an email from this guy Stephen about. You know, Reggie's putting together a band and I want to recommend you. Uh, would you be interested in moving to LA for this show? I've, and I've, you know, I've worked in TV before. Like in Israel, I used to be the bass player at Arishon Babidou with Dudu Topaz, which is, uh, it was at the time the biggest talk show, kind of a Jay Leno kind of a show. So not okay. too, not too different actually uh, from James Corden either. 
I sort of had that experience and I knew I wanted to work at a TV show again. I, I knew that I liked that. I liked the job. I f find like people that work on, on shows are often very grateful to be there. They're joyous people to be around. It's fun to make a TV show and it allows you freedom that you never have touring. You know, right. when, you, when you're it's like your whole life is that one gig that you're doing like it's hard on relationships it's hard on any kind of routine so yeah tv work kind of a day job for a musician it's so rare and and, and i really wanted i was gonna say I, I hear movie actors say that in interviews a lot also that they enjoy getting a steady gig on a tv show because it's steady hours mm -hmm. it's in the same location they can have breakfast and dinner with their children and you know they say it's one of the best kind of jobs to have yeah, it's and, and that stuff changes as you mature. I mean, in my twenties, I, I wanted to be on the road. I didn't want to be in relationship, or you know, I didn't want a routine. I didn't want to cook my own food or worry about making the bed. Or so it was fun. It's but but, but I also it was very clear at some point. I felt that that I'm definitely ready to switch to. Although I do miss the touring a little bit, the shows, <laughs> the shows are amazing. Yeah, so so that day it was a month before the show. I first heard about uh, like this friend was recommending me to Reggie for the show, and it was really weird because the same day I got an email from the keyboard player, musical director of Beck, you know, the the artist yeah. about. Beck is putting together a band and maybe I'm interested, maybe I can come audition or something. And it was the same day, like two kind of really big opportunities that might happen, might not happen. I was just, you know, sort of trying for both things and see what happens. After that, I only heard from Reggie days before the show started. So I didn't even think that was going to happen. Wow. He... Basically, yeah, like two weeks before the show, he emailed me about looking for a bass player <laughs> and we got together and played. And then, yeah, two weeks later, I was doing the show. Wow. And so, so you moved out to LA and, and you, you just, you took a leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. I moved, I, I literally packed for two days because after getting, after getting together with Reggie, he he basically was interested in you know hiring me i was so happy you know regardless of the adventure of packing and moving really quickly but he also said i want to fly you to la to play with the band once just to make sure everything gels you know because mm -hmm. it is we're going to spend so much time together it has to be right and i was like great let's do it <laughs> um, and he ended up so he flew me over to play with the band on a thursday uh, just before the first rehearsal to the show was Monday. <laughs> so I technically got the gig two days before the show started. Wow. Fl flew back to New York, packed for three, two days, and flew back to LA. It was a surreal experience. What was that first night like on the first show? It was interesting. We... It took a little... It took a little bit of time to figure out... So, you know, Reggie Watts he's an improviser and the whole concept for the band was we're going to improvise the music during the show we're going to write the music we had this talk backs so we can talk to each other and he headphones so we can hear each other and he's just going to be like sing something in our ears and that's what we're going to play out to commercials like mm 
he wanted it to be live, like his act, like he's always improvising. And <laughs> then we started doing, we did some test shows and we realized that we're just talking and James is trying to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's too much going on. At first I had to figure out how we're going to be a TV band, but sort of in our own unique way because it's more improvised than, than like we don't play too much. Uh, we don't play covers so much. We just write our own music and we, you, every night we, you know, when at the end of the show, James says, Reggie takes, take us home <laughs> and we just improvise for three minutes. So mm-hmm. that that's, I feel very lucky to, to get to be creative, you know, doing a gig like that. Right. When we return, Hagar reveals that she sometimes gets starstruck. I occasionally I get starstruck, like uh, we had Oprah. <laughs> it's it's just I'm just going to work and I'm this girl from Give a Time and there is Oprah and she's really nice or Paul McCartney, you know, what a nice guy. That's something I never thought I would, you know, experience. It's it's um, humbling. All that and much more after a quick break. If you're enjoying this episode, you'll also want to check out ourfriendfromisrael.com where you'll find the entire archive of interviews we've done, including with scientists, alien hunters, magicians, and celebrity chef Ron Ben-Israel, who was discovered by the queen of daytime TV. What was it like getting a call from Martha Stewart? Actually, I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody is pulling my leg. And then when I'll arrive, they will all be laughing at me. <laughs> you can find that interview and our entire archive of episodes at ourfriendfromisrael.com. And now, back to our conversation with Hagar Ben-Ari. So uh, many people know the uh, James Corden from the popular uh, Carpal Karaoke segments, um, which is, you know, musically influence who would who would you like to see as a musician who who would be your dream guest uh to be a carpal karaoke guest oh good question i wish anderson pack would do a carpal karaoke you know james comes across as a very authentic sweet nice funny person is that is that the way he is in, in in real life as well yeah james is very funny he's he's uh really fun to work with and he makes us laugh during rehearsals just constantly. How much rehearsal goes on, goes into a, a nightly show like that? It depends on... So normally, not too much. But mm-hmm. if we have a normal show, you know, monologue, some jokes, and then, you know, he brings out the guests. So there's not too much to rehearse. We get together at 2, 2.30, and rehearse, take a break, and we shoot the show at 5. But then... They, uh, we do occasionally do very ambitious uh, segments where he would, like, for example, we do this thing we call roll call. Where we would have an actor like uh, Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks was the first one to do it, actually. They would reenact all of their movies in five minutes. So, <laughs> and, and all just like kind of as a joke to like make fun of it. And um, so that takes a lot of rehearsals it could so you be had to do the, you had to do the music for each little yeah exactly uh-huh. and, and the transitions it's, it's a lot to rehearse 
and it's always amazing how it comes together because we don't have that much time, you know, because the show is every day. So it's like right. try to squeeze in rehearsals the morning before the, you know, the same day and just do it. L Lauren Michaels, the uh, the producer of Saturday Night Live, he his famous line is is something like, um, the show goes on at Saturday night at eleven thirty because that's that's when it goes on, and so you have to be ready no matter what, you know. Yeah. And you know, so similar with your show, it's like you know, you're you're gonna practice and practice, but it, you know, at five o'clock the camera is gonna be on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, yeah. There's nothing like a deadline <laughs> to yeah. make things happen. Do you do you get starstruck by meeting all these uh, famous people? You mentioned Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise occasionally i mean we we've shot almost 600 shows so at some point you get a little used to just sitting there and working with all these people who are also working i occasionally i get starstruck like um, we had oprah <laughs> it's it's just i'm just going to work and i'm this girl from give a time and there is oprah and she's really nice or paul mccartney you know what a right. nice guy that's something i never thought i would you know, experience. It's, it's, um, humbling and you try not to make a fool of yourself and you still do, but yeah. I saw the famous video on YouTube of, um, Christoph Waltz has uh, the actor has a crush on you. <laughs> uh, it's the most ridiculous thing. It, it was, uh, it was fun. It was flattering. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it was just fun. So what projects, what kind of side projects are you working on in, when you're not on the, uh, on the Late Late Show? Are you working on any solo projects? I've been spending some time writing music. Um, we, we also, so I'm writing on my, uh, working on my music. And we, we're also uh, working on an EP with Reggie, uh, with the, you know, the Late Late Show band, which is Tim Young, Guillermo Brown, Steve, it's called Fari and Reggie and then um, the producer John Tahada is gonna mix it so we're, we're just experimenting with this we, we haven't we started recording but we haven't released anything as a band and uh, we, we really want to you know use this platform of the Late Late Show to also because we write so much music together if you and I were to have a conversation in five years from now or ten years from now where do you hope to be um, I I definitely want to get back to teaching. I had a really good experience around 2013. I went to Israel for, I stayed in Israel for six months, mm -hmm. kind of took a break from New York and from touring. And there was, there's a really great school called Mizmor. And I was teaching girls. It was a jazz department. Uh, I was teaching improv and just different ensembles working with them on their music. And it felt like this, um, basically what I think I wanted to have growing up, you know, I, all of my teachers in school were male and were men, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a weird thing to not have women musicians as role, as role models and, and just, I was I was really able like all these girls I was working with were very shy at first about they're very insecure like the the atmosphere was very masculine and we together had this amazing rapport we just 
connected right away. And all of them started writing a bunch of music. A bunch of them picked up the bass and started playing bass. I don't know how in six months, it was one of my the best experiences of my life. And it, it stayed as something that I wanted to do here, you know, to, to maybe start my own music program and mm-hmm. help, you know, women find their way uh so so we so it doesn't have to be like that where it's just very few women have to work with men. I think it's probably true for many different professions, but definitely in music. Yeah, I was interviewing a uh, a uh, a business school professor in Chicago, and she's a, an Israeli woman, and she was saying similarly in her field. You know, she's just a, a, not a lot of women are go, you know getting their PhDs and becoming professors, and she's also trying to get more people in, and, and to be a role model herself for those in the next generation. Sounds very similar to what you want. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting how just by your presence, you making a change in their lives. It's not even, you don't have to be this special person. You just, you have a career and you're a woman, you know, they look at me like, oh, you're in New York doing all these interesting things. So maybe I can do it too. It's, it's, it's just a, that's one of my dreams to to work with women and just uh, maybe do a school just for women. This, I definitely think about that often. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I do. I write a lot of music, and another dream of mine is to get into film scoring. Oh wow! Yeah, being in LA also, it's 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 just where many movies are being done here and made here and. Yeah, so I'm working on music and, and scoring and, yeah, and maybe get back to touring at some point. So um, before we end, I, I asked, there's a question I like to ask all the people I interview, um, and that is, is there any question I did not ask you that I should have asked you? <laughs> Let's tell you my favorite thing about working on the show. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So what's your favorite thing about working on the show? <laughs> I don't know if that's my favorite thing, actually. But every so every show, James does a monologue, and then he says, "Roll the titles," and he goes to sit at at his desk, and and then he has some funny segment like you know emoji news or some silly thing the writers come up with. Right. And then sometimes in that moment, he sits at his desk and he looks at Reggie and he starts just a random conversation about something and. There are some days where I see James looking at Reggie about to talk to him and he has this silly expression on his face. And I just I just recognize that it's like, oh, it's one of these days where they're just gonna sit there and it just gets so silly. They both I don't know why that's my favorite kind of humor when they just look at each other and say stupid things <laughs> and it's just like i sit there and i can't stop like i try not to laugh at every silly thing he says because i'm on camera and i feel ridiculous but it's right. it's really i i mean there's so much going on it's in in you know it just humor is is important to me and i i love silly jokes and i just get to enjoy them improvising and just like be the audience and watch that. So Hagar, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with us today. It's been really fun uh, talking with you. And uh, I know you get, you're going to 
hopefully wake up soon and <laughs> and get and and get to the studio. <laughs> yes, we're we're actually off today, but normally that would that would be the timeline. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been great talking with you. Thank you, Benjamin. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Take care. You bye too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Our Friend from Israel is a production of FromTheGrapevine.com. Extra notes from this episode can be found at OurFriendFromIsrael.com. Want behind-the-scenes access to the show, including sneak peeks of future episodes? Join the Our Friend from Israel Facebook group. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. It only takes a minute, and when you do, it helps others discover Our Friend from Israel. Our show is produced by Paul Casco. Our head engineer is Everett Adams. Our theme music is by Chaim Mazar, a Hollywood film composer who grew up in Israel. You can visit our website at ourfriendfromisrael.com to find more episodes of the show. And if you have an idea for a future guest that we should interview, send me an email at bcohen at fromthegrapevine.com. I'm your host, Benjamin Cohen, and until next time, stay safe out there.